when this podcast is released, I am in training. It's a very loose use of the word to run 10K on May the 22nd, 2022, in order to raise money to help the people currently beleaguered in Ukraine. I'm trying to get medical assistance and help out there. So I have a GoFundMe page, Toby's Wheezing and Groaning for 10K for Ukraine. So if you enjoy this podcast, if you could send even the smallest amount over to that GoFundMe page, it would really help. Thank you very much. Hooray, it's Happy Times and Places, a Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which we accentuate the positive. I, Toby Haydock, have to guess my special guests' favourite things about the Doctor Who story they've chosen for us to watch. Hi, Toby. Uh, this is Lawrence Clark. I'm a stand-up comedian. Write, screenwriter and playwright. And the story that I picked for your podcast is Terminus. Well, hello everybody. It's uh, part three of Terminus, or for me as a youngster, it's half term, so I get to see the only episode of Doctor Who bar Arc of Infinity, which was on before the school term started. Uh, of this year, it seems unthinkable now, but we didn't have a video. We only had, at this stage, a black and white portable television. I know, I seem so young, and yet I'm from the old times. Um, uh, and yes, um, young people, not only did you have to actually watch television when the programme was on or you were in trouble, uh, uh, some of us... Uh, uh, watched programs that were made in colour in black and white because uh, the black and white TVs and indeed the licence for black and white TV was much cheaper. I know I sound like I'm from good stock, don't I? But we were skint as a we had ten. We were as uh, as as bro. We had we had a lower budget than Doctor Who. Had a lower household budget than than Doctor Who's. Uh, uh, well, in the case of Terminus, Terminus's budget for metal armour. Um, well, look. Enough of my. Hey, we I were brought up in a in a in a shed with nought to eat and only black and white TV. Uh, enough of that. Let us watch part three of Terminus. I'm gonna press uh, enter. I am on. I'm on the uh, episode selection menu. Uh, so I'm gonna press enter on part three in three, two, one, and I'm I'm a go. So. Um, oh, and I need to turn it. It has actually started, so don't be alarmed. I've just um, you can't you can't hear it in the background because I had it on mute. There we go. Peter Davison's face has appeared with a uh, a a what's it? A Venetian blind effect. Uh, and here we are, the neon logo, Sid Sutton's title sequence. Oh, I was so excited to be back from school watching this. My friend Ollie had sort of told me he didn't tell me everything that happened in the episodes. Really, he just basically told me what the cliffhangers were because that's what I asked for um and and if anyone died um so yeah the first thing I saw was this and I I remember I remember this I remember watching this and thinking this is so this is the first I'd seen of Turlo although I'd you know I'd heard heard about this this new guy um I've cheated a little bit well I haven't cheated I've I've watched the making of documentary um uh 
on the DVD because my, my partner's not very well, so she'll occasionally fall asleep on the sofa. And I can't podcast next to what could be a corpse. Uh, so, uh, uh, but I, and I really wanted to do this. Um, so I watched the documentary um, by Brendan Shepherd, who I don't know, I've never met. Uh, and it's narrated, narrated by Floella Benjamin. And it's a, it's a really good piece it's sort of it's very much sort of nuts and bolts but it explains the story it's got steve gallagher on who's very eloquent uh, about what he wanted to do with the story i do like steve gallagher he's a nice bloke and he's an intelligent writer who's ambitious with his sci-fi concepts um and it t- sort of talks about the i think the really clever thing it does is because mary ridge the director is not there to defend herself they have an advocate in the form of Fiona Cumming another Doctor Who director but who who knew Mary Ridge and, and so sort of sometimes postulates how she felt Mary would have thought under certain circumstances and I think that's a perfectly legitimate thing to do when when I think a lot of the failings of this in in a sort of production history of it seem to um you know seem to be attributed to the fact that Mary Ridge had studio days and, and hours and things taken off her and suddenly had to improvise off the hoof and this was done, you know, with a curtailed schedule. Um, so, so, and I think that with with the absence, with you know, without her, her to there for advocate for herself, having Fiona coming there was good and, and also good to see Scott Talbot and Alec Wheel, studio sound and senior cameraman, names you see on a lot of credits, uh, interviewed... Uh, uh, and Alec Wheel, I think, really should have been on more of the of the DVDs because he was such a key figure. Sadly, died a couple of years ago. Um, anyway, uh, so I'm sort of I'm immersed in Terminus, and I'm I'm as I say, the only sort of issue I have with it is is the is the sort of how static it is, you know, uh, and that does seem to be a, to do a lot with the the staging, I because you. You know, 42, for example, is set on a on a spaceship heading to disaster. But, you know, there's there's heat and there's, you know, there's, there's shaking and there's everyone's really sort of tense. Uh, uh, and there's just sort of energy about it. That's Graham Harper, isn't it? Directing. Um, uh, and I and I, you know, I, I, I do uh, think that. You know Stephen Gallagher having the concepts of you know let's in let's invoke the Big Bang and let's have these uh, you know the you know the veneer who are forced to do what they do and let's you know and how we deal with something like a disease you know especially during these times of of COVID but you know uh, 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 with with the enemy being yes an, an illness uh, and I know it's not leprosy but you know Lazar disease plays with the you know it's, it very much invokes the the idea and it's leprosy in all but name isn't it and uh, and, and that's got a, a you know that's got an historical basis f- f- for us uh, and uh, you know it's something that we have an angle on because we can understand it but it's not something you see you particularly in Doctor Who she, I always think she sounds slightly brummy. I don't know much about Rachel Weaver, who plays Inga, but she sort of goes, I'd rather think we're going to die. Uh, but I don't know if that's brummy or glum, because uh, there's, there's there's not much between the two. I'm sorry, my brummy friends. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I, my nearest city is Wolverhampton, so the, 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 that, that, the, the, the Midlands, the West Midlands, is, is, you know, is my world. And I have a lot of very good friends 
who speak uh, in that accent. Uh, what my friend John Warburton, the comedian, calls the uh, linguistic equivalent of lazy eye, which I always thought was terribly funny. Uh, and I say that with affection because I've got, lo- I got lo- loads of friends who talk like that. Um, uh, and Andrew Burt has to do a lot of, I seem to recall, has to do a lot of being slightly pushed and then having to act like he's been really hurt. Uh, and... And they they're very eloquent in the in the documentary about because uh, I, I hadn't realised that uh, the, the costume designer D Robson had uh, had had not been a favourite of John Nathan Turner. Uh, reading between the lines of the memo he sent, it's a sort of it's a personality clash. But but there were problems with this veneer armour, especially when the guy that made it was told late in the day, oh they have to fight in it as well. So and you and and the poor old sound designer talks about the fact that. There's sort of it does clatter somewhat. Uh, I actually think it's a it's a nice design uh, because they're slightly skeletal, but it is reminiscent of sort of brass um, etchings. You know those sort of knights uh, uh, in 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 brass etchings, and and and, and the colour helps with that as well. Um, he is like a sexy sad vampire. Uh, is uh, is Martin Potter. He's interviewed on the documentary and he says one thing. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, you have to do a particular sort of acting to play these sorts of characters. And I quite like the idea. I quite, he invests that with, a, he quite enjoys the fact that, uh, that Valgard hates him. Uh, you know, ever and I, and that's that's quite an interesting dynamic that all of these, all of the veneer are, you know, they're just staying alive, but it's it's not much of a life. They are a bit like vampires in a way. They you know they 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 feed off this particular substance, um, and to keep themselves alive just for the sake of being alive, but they don't seem to enjoy life very much. The radiation's too strong for them. Um, oh, and it's Nissa's final story, of course, as well, which um, I suppose we've been building up to with her doing her experiment at the at the at the at the top. Yes, uh, I, <laughs> I don't quite recognise your voice, but um, they obviously don't talk to each other that much. I was thinking about this and this Andrew android the, the the robot the medical robot i know what they're going for here because there's a medical robot in star wars that that has sort of spindly arms and lots of different attachments so oh yes he's, he no he noticed that he was ah so i've 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 done the story a disservice there he noticed that it was an intruder good okay well done uh, now that's the sort of thing i would have been annoyed that somebody at home did where they go ah oh, and you go well if you'd stop talking you'd actually realize that he has noticed that um but um, I have to talk during this, otherwise you'll just be listening to the episode. Um, uh, but the, yes, the medical robot, when when you can do it on film and each and, and you know have proper little pistons and gears, those spindly arms and the different attachments can seem like a very efficient sort of medical robot, like the one in The Empire Strikes Back. And I had a toy of that, the medical droid. Um, and that's what they're going for. It's just they have to make it on a BBC budget, and uh, uh, and 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 so. It probably needs bigger mechanisms that are cheaper than, you know, slender ones and all sorts of... And it's not shot on film. And, you know, 
cardboard painted silver on film that's not what they would have had in empire strikes back but it would still look better than than on videotape um so here's what's olvia come to do is he oh oh yes so all right i'm going doesn't he say that yeah he now jarvik is is what andrew burt is called in uh in uh the harvest of kairos sexy garage mechanic jarvik uh uh and this is quite funny as because they talk in the documentary of, uh, of they've got these veneer masks which are excellent they're a great design again really sort of medieval knight looking but but in order to be heard through them they have to lift the visors up because because otherwise they'd sound really muffled um which sort of defeats the other it's a bit like in these covid times people who have masks on and wear them around their chin or, or above their eyes so they're, they're in this they're in this plague hole they've got this protective armor but every time they speak to each other or have to see the the, the plague characters their carriers they're herding about uh, they have to lift their, their protective helmet up I, i'm yeah so so poor old Turlo and Tegan. I, now I'm surprised because I thought Turlo and Tegan spent all of episodes two and three in the uh, in in the you know in the ducts uh, and on film uh, shot by Remy Adfarazin. Yes, who um, he, oh he shot all sorts of things, hasn't he? Elizabeth didn't he do that? And, and Johnny English. Uh, oh, um, didn't he shoot Band of Brothers? I mean, he's an excellent uh, film cameraman. Um, but I, I, I thought I thought they they spent all their time in the ducts. Uh, but no, they spent you know getting a bit sort of bored. But actually, they send some of it bored sitting on steps as well. Um, so I did the story a disservice when I said it's lots of people walking up and down steps. Sometimes people sit on them too. Um, oh yes, the story comes alive every time Peter Benson wanders in. I seem to recall because he's only done. It's only done the, the one bit in episode two, but I, I seem to enjoy remember enjoying it. It's a nice makeup too, the the burning on his face. He he has a sort of old fashioned Doctor Who like quality about him. I'm surprised they didn't see him. He's not unlike David Fielder, actually, who they saw for, for Doctor Number Seven. Um I, I did. I, did I say I had lunch with him at Kensington? I think I did because he he used to hang. I, I I was doing a play, and yeah, one of the casts knew Peter Benson, and she said, "Have you been in Doctor?" And he said, "Yes." And she said, "Will you have lunch with this young man? Because he'd probably love to talk to you." So I had lunch with Peter Benson, and I don't remember much of what we, he said to me. It was I know it was a lovely lunch, and he was very chatty and jolly and i remember we had spaghetti with tomato sauce in the cafe of this open air theater but i don't actually remember the content uh so so really he's just a sort of notch on my bedpost really rather than somebody whose uh whose knowledge and experience benefited me but uh, i think that happens more and more and I, and I don't have the excuse that i have with some actors i later um get, uh, you know got to got to spend some time with i had some right old times with bernard k who unfortunately i remember very little of because we because he because he could drink a lot and uh, well we but yeah and as me too but i but uh, although i survived the level of drinking my memory of the night did not but i don't have that excuse with uh, peter benson i was young and sober as a judge um 
But he used to, I know he was mates with uh, this, ah, that you'd want to seat at that table. Because uh, I think there's a, a group of them that used to, used to all sort of meet up in um, Kensington. And it's Peter Benson, John Gorry, the director of the Keys of Marinus, Vernon Dobchev, the scientist, uh, the, the scientist from the War Games, and also the patron saint of the acting profession, and a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, uh, Damon from Ark of Infinity, um, Paul Greenhalgh, who was the second guardian in the Ark. Uh, is that is that that? But I, so I think there was that. I think they're all a a, a, a bunch of bunch who'd all all meet up and chat. You want to be a fly on that wall, wouldn't you? Um, and of course, he became famous for 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 being in Heartbeat uh, later. But uh, I I that I love the sort of um, slightly quizzical sort of forlorn thing that he's got going on, and mm, that little mm, sort of pause that he gives it to show that he's slightly off kilter. Oh, I, I, lo I love his every intonation. It's 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 very fresh, and he's not sending. Although he's you know he's undercutting the drama when he's talking about the engines exploding. He's not he's not giving it the sort of welly that you need if you were doing the sort of dramatic thing with it. But he he he, he he's not undermining it at all. He's taking it very very seriously. He's just a very offbeat um, sort of performer. Who brings that slightly? Uh, <laughs> credulous, wonderful, uh, benign energy to it. Uh, it's so lovely. Um, and I, 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 I'd sort of like that you and we, we get fed little bits about about these people, but. There's some nice aerial shots here too. Um, it's so hard doing a fight in the studio, though. I mean, they do their best. John Waller was a very good fight director. Um, uh, but but yes, look, this is Andrew Burt has to do a lot of selling this. Um, uh, uh, you, you, oh, and I do feel sorry for Boar's Wall. Um, uh, but but Andrew Andrew Burt has to do that thing there where your, your arms get pushed up slightly and that means you're really badly injured. I'm not sure I've ever been injured by by that. And I'm I'm sure it's not the only time. I thought well he had the thing in episode two, didn't he, where Lissa sort of shoved him with a with with, with a the flat of her hand and he had to sort of fall backwards and, and really sort of sell it. And uh, I feel a bit sorry for him because Andrew Burt was a was a very good actor. Um, uh, and, and he has to do lots of overreacting to uh, not too much external stimulus. Oh, he's going to get beaten up by Dominic Gard later as well, isn't he? Um, the, so the the Garm is coming. I quite like the Garm. He's an unfortunate shape, but I think he's got a very sweet face. Uh, and... It's nice to have a benign monster, as it were, but um, it's it's great watching. It's it's great hearing Stephen Gallagher in in the documentary, going. I thought it would be this sort of shape in the darkness with sort of glowing eyes, and and that that was it. I didn't know it would be what it is, which is a 
a, a man who is both large in height and girth. Um, uh, but I do like I do like his face. I do like the Garm's face. It's just that it's just the eyes that uh, uh, actually stop it being real in trying to give it some illumination. Um, but I, I like he's he's got a slightly sort of benign thing going on as well. The way he just sort of looks rather sweetly and then carries on. Um, does 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 Lisa Goddard actually do anything from now on apart from ask the doctor questions? Because um, I, 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 I know they rather optimistically offered the part to Twiggy, um, uh, but I because I, because she starts off as this sort of space piratey thing, but I think she's just there. I'm not sure she. <laughs> I'm going to be interested to see if she has any lines that actually that are actually lines that aren't just sort of what's happening and what are you doing now. Because uh, I'm not sure I remember her doing an awful lot. And poor old Dominic Gard just has to follow Nissa about like a sad teenager who's slightly upset his plague-ridden girlfriend's not <laughs> keeps keeps getting on the bus. Um, why did why did Turlo step on every step then? Uh, it's, it's quite a small. This the step acting on this. Uh, I mean, there's all sort. There's sitting on the steps. There's walking slowly down the steps. There, Turlo could have, if he was in a real hurry, have leapt up two or three steps at a time. But no, he made sure every step got got then. Um, it's. I also think it's very brave putting putting a character called Boar in this story. <laughs> yeah, the pilot of Terminus is it? So, oh yes, there's a there's a sort of skeletal chap, isn't there? But um that is great that is a great burn makeup. Um uh Ooh and he and it's Oh, that's not for any. Oh, that's a good line. That's an excellent line. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yes, and they and they can't waste the hydromel on somebody who might be dead. Oh, there's a nice shadow, shadow there on the uh, on the very grey wall. Um, and I was very excited to hear the Black Guardian. I mean, he does have a magnificent voice. Um, and of course, he's the voice of Deep Thought in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and we had the record of that. So, uh, you know, having Deep Thought uh, in, uh, in, you know, the fact that he was Deep Thought and he was the Black Guardian, uh, and it is an amazing voice. I mean, uh, honey steeped in treacle, steeped in gravel, and marinated in pipe tobacco, uh, and you know honed on the British stage uh, I love it because he's in uh, he's in uh, he's Burgundy isn't he in uh, Olivier's Henry V so uh, a real old stager oh, is, uh, oh so yeah so the, the the Black Guardian has has spoken in riddles to 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 Turlow um, I assume that's to prove to himself, the Black Guardian, that, that that Turlo is actually worth having employed, so that he doesn't tell it have to tell him what to do. But it does that he does seem to spend a lot of his time going, "I'll give you one more chance." And Turlo goes, "Oh, please! I promise I'll do it next time." Um, and of course, because Turlo wants to kill the Doctor, the only way to have him not kill the Doctor is is either 
keep trying to kill the Doctor and fail, or uh, be separated from the Doctor. Um, so, uh, so uh, they have to keep them apart, and that's 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 reasonable. And and the characters all splitting up is uh, is uh, you know you know part and parcel of uh, what we do with Doctor. So she said so. That's uh, what you're getting at. Yeah, she's not being given an awful lot of meaty stuff, is she, poor Eliza Goddard? Um, I like the image of the uh, of the of the dead astronaut, uh, you know, the dead dead pilot. And this is where the story, you know, takes an interesting turn. You don't. You, this element of the story sort of comes out of of nowhere. You know, the engines are are broken, but suddenly we're going. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Big Bang. Uh, oh, she got to say the Big Bang. Uh, and this is a nice idea of going. Oh, so something we think of as a, um, you know, an entirely natural thing is well, well, well why? What well, Doctor is responsible for the Great Fire of London? Why can't it be responsible for a slightly bigger and more important fire? Um, but. Uh, If, but I, I'm 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 not sure. Am I being thick? I so I've got, I think I've got the thing about how terminus works out. Excuse, but if if he time jumped it forward, having dumped the fuel, does that mean he he travelled backward to dump the fuel? I'm not entirely sure where, where where terminus comes from, and where its time is. Is that me being thick? Because it's obviously from a time when you've got this company and the veneer and all that sort of thing. So it doesn't just willy-nilly travel in time, but it, it can if it needs to. And you sort of think, well, if you... if I mean, if you can travel in time, do you really need to be a a not very good hospital run by slaves? Couldn't you do all sorts of things? Anyway, I don't know. Perhaps I'm being thick. Um, what's happening? Oh, poor old Lisa Goddard is... is yeah, she's... Uh, She's not getting the the meatiest stuff, is she? But I, I like the lights going on and off and flashing. So the story is now, the story is now, um, you know, the the the, the jeopardy's uh, really been heightened. Uh, oh, and I like the little bits of dust on the on the switch. So I think that was a a really good episode. I think that was very exciting. Um, uh, I love Boar. Um, I love the fact that uh, the story has taken this really strange left turn and gone oh yeah it's not just about this dodgy plague ship uh, it's uh, it's about a series of events that uh, you know started and could end uh, the universe which uh, which uh, as I say you, you're not really expecting um, and you know it's it's it started to move a bit um, so uh, I have to choose a favorite thing and oh and I have to go back to school so that was it that was all my Doctor Who for that year oh um <laughs> so uh so um I think I got a good episode I think I got a good episode that's certainly the best episode of of, of Terminus so far I really enjoyed that um I thought that was quite a ride so I think that's going to go to the menu. So I have to choose.
was a thing. And I think I'm going to play tactically because I think there's no way you cannot choose Peter Benson as Boar. And if I don't choose him now... Uh, Lawrence Clark, my guest, comedian Lawrence Clark, might. And if he chooses him next time, well, that's OK, because I get the point next time. Whereas if he chooses him this time and I don't, I don't get the point. So I am going to choose Peter Benson's Boar. I think it's a he's a lovely character. I think he's even more lovely because of the casting, uh, which on its own is very, very good. But then, you know, he 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 does what you would hope an idiosyncratic actor uh, like Peter Benson would do. Uh, and I think he's pitch perfect and really watchable. Um, and, you, and you like it every time he turns up. So I'm choosing Peter Benson as Boar as my thing for part three. Part three, um, I think the highlight for me is the fake human figure, which only makes out of the old cloaks. Again, for no apparent reason. I don't know why he wants to fool people into thinking that he's still standing there. Um, I, I look absolutely nothing like a person, but it's still full cigarette. Um, I also love Peter Benson and this whole thing. It's bore because there just aren't enough cigars in Doctor Who. And I think amongst a cast of, let's face it, some quite bland characters, um, he, he really stands out. So, yeah, I love Ball. Uh, so, Lawrence chose two things there, but I think one of them he was being cheeky about, which I didn't even talk about, which was the, the yes, the, the fake uh, mannequin uh, set up by... Uh, uh, Olvia to just slightly annoy anybody uh, who was um, yeah p p p partially sighted uh, and had you know and and didn't bother to check that that thing that doesn't look like a person isn't a person. It's a funny old uh, it's a funny old beat in the story. Um, but yes, he chose Peter Ball. Hey, Peter Ball, Peter Benson. He chose Peter Benson. So that's a point for me. Which means that uh, if I get both of Lawrence's next two things, and I'm sort of kicking myself because I should have gone for the skirt in part two rather than Olvia's boots. Um, uh, but I, then I, I'm not sure how I would have felt about choosing the skirt in part two. But it is the, probably the most memorable moment of, of the episode. Anyway, done now. Can't do anything about it. So... Uh, that is part three, which is a victory for me. Appropriate that the episode that I was allowed to watch all those years ago is the one that came through for me again. Uh, and it is, in fact, coming through for me in the story because I think the story's really picked up and there's quite a lot going on. Uh, and, you know, the stakes are really high now. Uh, so let's see what happens uh, in part four, where if we're not careful, it's the end of the world, boys. Uh, but not right now. Right now, it's the end of this episode of Happy Times and Places. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest is Lawrence Clark, 
can be found on Twitter at Lawrence underscore Clark. Thanks so much to the many patrons who make these broadcasts possible. I'm going to say some of their names now. Alex Kafajoglu, Rick Byatt, Will Brooks, Peter Adamson, Luke Adkins, Barry Platt, Darren Mackay, Joe Llewellyn, Ian Key, Siobhan Galichon, Jason Gorman, Chris Bone, Chris Dunford-Kelk, John Deere, Rob Dawson, Peter Crocker, Paul Cook, Paul Carrington, Jenny at Blue Box 99, David, Richard Straw, Stephen Moffat, Rob Leonard, Peter Harness, Peter Burns, Ruben Herfindahl, Robin Bland, Sidney Wilson, Peter Ware, Rich Wiggins, Gavin Ware, Alistair Wallace, Gary Wales, John Turner, Sidney Trout, Jason Thompson and Paul Taylor Greaves. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. So, you want to be a patron? Well, that's easy. Go to patreon.com forward slash Toby where you will find advanced releases, exclusive material, interactive stuff, and a few extra bits and bobs. And most importantly, I think you get all of these podcasts much, much earlier. Happy Times and Places is, I think, four months ahead in Patronville, uh, and the Too Much Information and Indefinable Magic ones are a month to six weeks ahead too. But there's exclusive stuff, interviews with actors, written material, pictures of my dog, and certain tiers you also get a badge. So uh, uh, it's fairly egalitarian, most things, apart from the physical stuff. I mean physical stuff as in a badge it's a physical manifestation i I have to post it i'm I'm not saying any patrons get physical stuff off me i mean uh, i mean you can't put a price on such things Uh, but uh, 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 most stuff is available uh, from the lowest tier at three pounds per month and you can also get a 10 percent discount on any tier if you sign up for a whole year in advance. I know this is begging bowl stuff, but uh, self-employed freelancers who churn the stuff out uh, have to do this stuff these days. And so it is with due humility that I uh, hold out my cap for a Kofi. If you don't want to do the monthly thing, which is perfectly understandable, Kofi enables you to donate whenever you like. Perhaps you just listened to one you particularly enjoyed or you've just won the lottery or you think I look particularly hungry. Uh, and uh, that's uh, that's uh, yeah, you can pay what you like when you like as often or not as you like. But look, I also know that uh, COVID and the general economic situation in the world and the way that we do entertainment stuff these days means that money is not available to everybody. And look, you are still welcome, welcome listeners. It's nice that there's a community out there who listen to this stuff. But if you could tweet nice stuff about it, um, tell your friends, and most importantly, uh, and also like the tweeting, absolutely free, if you could go to iTunes or any podcast dispenser and give these a five-star rating and just one or two lines of positive review. That really helps to make this stand out from the crowd. And if it stands out from the crowd, uh, any passing internet wanderer who may not be aware of the goodies that are available within this podcast series will suddenly, oh, their life will change. They got a year's worth of this stuff uh, to, uh, to to get them through whatever disaster awaits us all. Um, OK, plug over. Thanks. I have a website, www.tobyhaydoke.com, that's got a blog and clips and various bits and bobs on it. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Toby Haydoke. These podcasts have their own feed, at Haydoke Podcasts. 
And I do a comedy night in Manchester every Tuesday night at 8pm called Excess Malarkey. That's also on Twitter. And uh, for those of you that don't live in Manchester, it's also monthly online. Twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. 8pm uh, every first Sunday of the month. Um, but there's also an archive uh, and past shows and clips and bits of bobs up there right now if you want to see what that has to offer. Thank you very much. I do say um and er uh, an awful lot for somebody whose metier is supposed to be speaking. If I'm uh, if I'm uh, uh, reading a script, uh, fine, I'm um and er uh, free. But if I'm extemporising, as I do, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't write down the plugs for uh, Patreon and Comedy Nights. Uh, I know they're not rigorously scripted. Can you tell? Yeah, you can because I go er uh, a lot and um. Um, um, see, I've just done it there. I've just ummed. Uh, ah, it's a horrible. Um. I'm in the wrong business. No, I can't be. It's too late. I can't do anything else now. But isn't that interesting? Oh, well, uh, sorry about that. Um, I, <laughs> um, see? Now, see, if I had people, I would I would get, I would have some factotum and I'd go, listen to everything and chop out all the ums. You could you could feed a small country on the amount of ums uh, that uh, probably in one of these uh, uh, commentaries, if, if ums were indeed comestible. Anyway, I'll be quiet now. Um, um, see, oh, um, and uh, dear, dear, dear. Oh, well, I suppose, well, I suppose to err uh, is human. That's what that means.